Have you ever heard the term death by a thousand paper cuts? That's often what life in the military feels like. We certainly do have to deal with multiple mountains of paperwork. We are probably, in fact, significantly responsible for the destruction of the Amazonian rainforest. But however you think about paperwork, love it or hate it, it needs to be done before you leave the military. And, of course, if you're about to leave the military, whether by retirement or other circumstances, you will want to be up to speed on what you need to do so you can leave no paper unsigned. That's what's coming up in today's episode. Howdy, and welcome to DD214, the podcast for people leaving the military. I'm your host and retired veteran, Eric. Welcome to the show. The mission of the DD214 podcast is to provide a place for veterans and transitioning service members to share their experiences and insights to improve the body of available information for the betterment of our community. But before we get into today's episode, let us talk about our sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by my wife, Wendy, and her web design business. Wendy also edits this podcast, so it's appropriate that she gets to sponsor the show, right? Am I right? If you're married, you know. Wendy designs websites to get your business, podcast, or church found online. An expert with Elementor and WordPress, among other programs, she designs custom websites to level up your online presence and to boost your business. They are very bespoke websites. If you're looking for a fresh website or someone to maintain your current site, head on over to wendycoop.com and get a free good fit call. That's wendycoop.com. And yes, her name is Wendy with a Y. WendyCoop.com. Now back to the show. I'm thinking through the plethora of paperwork that I had to submit to retire, and I decided to do a quick Google search last night. Of course, the first thing that popped up was from Military.com. Now, Military.com is a good website, and there's a lot of goodness. Uh, this one seemed to be a little bit uh, light in the content. Uh, they go over... Uh, four different things that you need to consider when you're retiring. Uh, the pre-retirement package, assembling the necessary documents, submitting your form DD-2656, and reviewing your retirement uh, pay in my pay, right? Well, you know, when you're active duty, it's called a leave and earnings statement, LES. Uh, now it's a uh, electronic retirement account statement or ERAS. That's what I look at. Same my pay website though, just a different drop down. So let's go over the one by one here. The pre-retirement package. One year prior to your retirement date, you will receive a pre-retirement package from your branch of service to help you prepare for retirement. Now, I don't know how the other branches do it. I was not given any kind of package. In fact, I know of no sailor whoever received a package say, that told them everything that they needed to do to retire. They weren't given a manual because we have a manual. It's called the Milpers Man or Military Personnel Manual. Don't ask me why the Navy's personnel instructions called the Milpers Man and not the Nav Pers Man, but 
maybe a yeoman or an admin officer uh, or a personnelman uh, or a personnel specialist, you know, maybe somebody in one of the uh, admin ratings uh, can help me out on that because I have no idea why it's called the Milpers man because it's certainly only a Navy specific uh, document, but it does contain all the things, all the sections and all the information. You just have to look through it a little bit on your own, or um, if you have a good, um, if, if you're enlisted and you have a good chief who's savvy on the admin stuff, um, they'll help you out with it. And certainly admin will definitely put something together for you, but I was never given any kind of pre-retirement package. I don't know what that is. <clears throat> um, again, maybe, maybe that's something enlisted sailors get and that I wasn't aware of. Uh, we, as an officer, I, we, we typically let the chiefs handle certain things and, and, um, we try not to get more involved in in day-to-day um, -day interactions uh, or day-to-day -day aspects of enlisted sailor life than we absolutely need to. It, it, it's nice to give them their space and we have our space and we work together. And, and if we do it right, well, anyway, that's a whole, that's a leadership discussion, a little bit outside the scope of where I'm going here. Um, assembling your documents. You should begin to assemble your documents no later than six months in advance of your target separation date below are the key documents needed to confirm your eligibility to compute your retirement benefit, retirement order, separation data, statement of service. Okay. I'm up here in my office and I think over my bookshelf that I'm looking at over there uh, on the bottom shelf, I've got a couple of binders as my whole service record in there. I also have it backed up in my computer. I have every single uh, fitness report, I ever received. I've got every single citation for any awards I received. I have hard copies of every qualification letter, all that stuff. Uh, but so if you're not worrying about your your record, your service record, until six months before you separate, you're way behind. Way behind. Uh, that's something you that that every sailor E one to O ten is taught to maintain always and so and if you did that right everything's there you are you're ready to go and ready to get that dd214 drafted uh, your form uh 2656 so dd2656 that uh, pertains to the survivor benefit uh plan so if you're married like i am uh there's uh a couple of options you know, it's kind of like the matrix. You have a blue pill and a red pill. And one of those is you sign it by yourself and you elect to receive the survivor benefit plan. What that means is you give up 10% of your pension. But if you die before your spouse, your spouse will continue to receive an annuity until either the spouse dies or gets remarried. It's a... Um, it's a solid program, um, and certainly uh, a lot of folks uh, use it and have benefited from that uh, once a service member uh, passes and the spouse uh, 
uh, at least has uh, income uh, coming in for life uh, or until they change marital status. Now, uh, in our case, we talked about it and we decided that we did not want to do that. So that required Wendy to have to sign the 2656 before we uh, sent it up. And not only did she have to sign it, but we had to do it in front of a notary. So uh, spouse gets a vote on that. Okay. There might have been a time when that wasn't the case, but spouse always gets a vote on that one. It is important, uh, though. Your first retirement payment. Okay, I don't know if I did anything extra to make sure my first retirement payment was correct, but it reads here in the military.com article, uh, normal processing time for establishing a retirement pay account is 30 days after the receipt of all necessary documentation. If DFAS receipts or receives a complete DD 2656 and all necessary documentation by the date of your retirement, you'll be paid 30 days after that date. And we had all that, we had all, all of that in, I believe October, I retired in January. So uh, we were solid on that. Never had any issues with that. What I did have an issue though, was with uh, receiving my final pay on the day of retirement. I did not get that for another two weeks because I miscalculated how many days of leave I had on the books and I took one too many and that held things up a little bit. And then funny thing was about a year later, I got a letter from DFAS telling them I owed them a whole day's worth of uh, pay and I did nothing about it. I, I just put that aside and went, okay, I got bigger fish to fry. I'll get to that when I get to that. Three weeks later, I got another letter. Whoops, my bad. We, uh, uh, you're good. No, no worries. So my, my pay was settled. Um, I haven't heard anything from them uh, since on the matter. So there's that. Now let's see what I, I ran a quick check through some things and I went through how it went for me. So one less I found uh, stated uh, it starts with the eligibility check. Okay. You know, if you're eligible or not, you know, when you're going to be eligible, that's 20 years of service, unless you are being medically retired for a medical issue, then, then uh, they have a whole different um, timeline. I'm simply talking the standard. I'm retiring. I've, I've met more than enough time. I'm, I'm over 20 years. I'm retiring. I have a whole year to do this process. That's the timeline I'm concerned about on this. Uh, perhaps in a future episode, I'll have one of my uh, friends who retired, um, who had a, a disability retirement, come on and talk about how that went uh, for them, because I'd be curious to know uh, myself. Okay, notify the chain of command. Of course, you're going to notify the chain of command. So I went into the Milpers man. I found the formats for uh, for all the letters I had to write, all the correspondence I had to draft up, and then I routed it. Then uh, in my case, I was working in the Pentagon. I was working for a one star and uh, sent that up to him. And uh, then he that that letter actually goes up to 
Millington, and then they will start the ball rolling. But uh, my admiral, um, while not the approver, he has to endorse it uh, with a recommendation, yes or no. And, of course, he recommended yes, and then it went up, and that got the clock rolling on getting my orders drafted and generated. Of course, this was during the COVID era, so I should have had those orders six months, be no later than six months before retiring. I got them about five and a half uh, or four and a half to five months. I, I got them about a month late, but it was COVID. A lot of the civilians who generate that paperwork were either sick or working remotely, either whatever the case, it was, there was a lot of admin backlog going on during the COVID era. I know we all want to forget about that, but that was back to life. Hopefully that's been fixed by now because it's been a bit since we've had widespread COVID lockdowns, whole different topic, I know. And uh, all those people are either back to work full time or they're, or they've retired and new people are in, uh, I'd like to know. It's been a couple of years. I've been out of the game for a bit. So uh, I'd like to know. Please um, chime in in the comments uh, section if you're on the YouTube channel or uh, or uh, send me an email on my website here. Okay. Uh, medical examination. That's very key. And you really do need the whole year to do that. You're going to need to make appointments. You got to establish certain things. Uh, for in my case, I uh, sometimes am not feeling that well, and I spent an entire twelve months meeting with a licensed uh, 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 clinical counselor, and uh, she. Uh, was able to diagnose me with uh, depression and anxiety and uh, was able to help me um, get into some programs to address that and got me um, a couple appointments with the psychiatrist so I could get appropriate medication as well. And that seemed to help. So that, that does take time. Uh, I also had to make several appointments to get my knees, my feet looked at. I had documented pre-existing uh, gastro issues uh, that actually got me into the hospital at one point uh, several years back. And all that uh, adds up, I ended up with a disability rating. And that's the whole point uh, with the medical examination. They need to know if they broke you. And if the Navy or the military broke you, then they need to buy you. That's one way uh, somebody told me about looking at the VA disability system. They broke you, they buy you. And it's arduous service, no matter which branch you're in. Uh, so you got to get into those appointments. Uh, if you're over 20 years, it's more likely than not, I think, that you're going to have at least 50% disability, if not higher. In my case, I'm 60 um, the, the key thing with 50 is that's the point at which your disability payment is now on top of your pension. If you are below 50%, they take 
your disability rating out of your retirement. And then the VA gives you that money back, but you don't pay tax on it. So you get a tax benefit, but it's not the same as having the money on top at the beginning of every month when you get your pension, you also get your disability. It, it, it's probably a little bit better that way. I don't see how a tax, I don't see how giving up a dollar to get 28 cents back. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm not a tax guy. So <clears throat> there, there you go uh, on that uh, tap. So there's this thing called transition assistance program or tap. Everybody is required to take it no matter what, no matter the characterization of your uh, separation, no matter what the circumstances are, you have to take the tap class. And they actually allow you to take it up to two times. And I know people who've taken it uh, the first time, a few years out, they weren't sure how long, how much longer they were going to stay in. They stay in a little bit longer. They may have even used some of the programs that TAP gets you uh, connected with uh, and, then, and then decided to uh, simply continue the service. Well, they can take it again. You have to take it within a year of retirement anyway. So, they, they'll have to take it that second time. Uh, it, it's got good information in there. Uh, they help you with your, um, uh, well, in the Navy, it's called the Veteran or Verification of Military Education and Training or VMET. It's, for me, it was a 24-page document. Took every single assignment I ever had, including uh, TAD assignments at schools, and it translated that into civilian speak and into um, uh, also explained potential certifications and licenses I might get that are commensurate with that experience, with those tours, with that training. It It's a useful document, I think. And I think it's also useful when it comes to writing your resume to uh, when you're seeking employment again on the outside. So that's a that's definitely a good one to uh, to get. You you do that about the same time as you do your uh, 2656 and the other documents here. Uh, yeah, the counseling that goes almost hand in hand with TAP. The counseling actually happens before TAP, uh, and and it's in my case it was with the same person who ended up facilitating my TAP class. That's when I did the VMET. That's when I uh, filled out a lot of the, those things. Uh, also signed up for some uh, additional courses because I thought, well, maybe I want to be a teacher. I have teaching experience I, uh, with the military. Maybe I want to be a high school teacher. So I took a day-long course on, um, on um, Boots to Classroom is what it's called. And I had thought about that several years back when I was midway through my career and I actually thought about resigning my commission and pursuing teaching. So I'd actually gotten on their mailing list uh, way back when on, on that. So that was kind of nice. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll be an entrepreneur. Uh, my wife is an entrepreneur. So I took the entrepreneur track, turned out to be uh, more uh, about how to get a SBP loan so you can buy a franchise. Uh, not Not for me. Um, honestly, it, it might be for you. I don't think that's really for me. I, I don't see myself uh, buying a franchise or anything. 
Uh, I want some autonomy in my post-military career, not not being told which vendors I have to buy my hamburgers from or whatever. Anyhow, uh, like I said earlier, once your retirement request goes all the way to Millington with your, with the first star in your, or first flag in your chain of commands endorsement, then um, they're going to write your orders. I should have had my orders six months out which I needed to have to get into the uh, Onward Opportunity Program, which I'll talk about here shortly. Uh, that, that was something I learned about in TAP class and I really wanted to do, but I needed to have those orders. I uh, Thankfully, I had a friend at the time who was up in Millington and I reached out to her and said, um, said hey, I'm, I'm trying to, really want to, want to retire on the 1st of January. And uh, that's not, um, uh, you know, I, I should already have my retirement orders while that, uh, and, you know, there was challenges again because of COVID. And um, magically about three weeks later, I had my orders. So about four and a half to five months out, I had my orders in hand and I was able to enroll in, um, Onward Opportunity and go. So what is Onward Opportunity? Well, I was thinking about getting a uh, project management uh, professional certification or through uh, the Project Management Institute. And there's a class that I took that cost me nothing to me. It's a uh, program that's run by an organization called the Institution for Military Families and Veterans or uh, or uh, let me say that again. Start over again. Uh, it's a uh, program called Onward Opportunity. And I wanted to uh, pursue a project management professional certification or through the uh, Project Management Institute or PMI. And Onward Opportunity is a program that's run by a an organization called the Institution for Military Veterans and Families, or IMVF, and they are administered at Syracuse University. They are entirely funded by private contributions. Their largest donor at the time, I believe, was Walmart. I think Home Depot might also be one of the major benefactors to this program. It's a, it's great. It's no cost classroom training. The first is this boot camp that everybody goes through and they do a large group of, of us in uh, one fell swoop and we get introduced to several opportunities. We get to uh, meet virtually with uh, recruiters from large companies like Amazon and, and such. Uh, the, the biggest things I got out of it personally were from uh, two organizations. One's called American Corporate Partners. They are people in the corporate world who want to mentor and help military personnel transition into the corporate world. They assign mentors. And uh, I had a great six month uh, go at it with my mentor. He was a gentleman up in Philadelphia, great guy, never served a day in the military, but he had all kinds of pearls of wisdom to impart on me about what life is like 
when you're not in the military anymore. And it, it's a good opportunity. In fact, I recently became a mentor myself and I'm helping out a fellow who's uh, transitioning out of the army right now and was uh, asking for, um, um, for uh, a mentor. I don't know what I'll be able to provide for him, but I'll be happy to share my experiences and, uh, and see what he wants to do and help him develop a game plan. So that'll be cool. And then uh, the other ones hiring our heroes. Uh, they're great among uh, the things they offer are help with writing your resume. I ran my resume um, through the gentleman up in South Carolina a bunch of times and uh, he got it down where I got all the military jargon out, got all the civilianese uh, lingo in. And it's, uh, you know, a good, I got a good, um, you know, master resume, I, I guess you would say. And then uh, my, my take on resumes is you should always have like a huge mass one. It's got everything. And then you tailor out the stuff that's not relevant for the jobs you're applying to, you know, tailor resumes. Uh, that's an episode I'll, record in the future about how to do resumes and I'll even do some fancy screen sharing on that one as well. Uh, let's see what else do I need to cover? So I covered disability. I covered, we'll go back from the top. I covered eligibility, informing the chain of command, getting the process rolling, completing necessary paperwork, uh, medical, TAP and O2F and other programs that are out there for educational uh, benefits. You know, going through your counseling, getting your orders, finalizing your administrative requirements. Okay, so that's the next one. Um, I can't speak to the other services. Uh, I basically wrote my DD-214. And by that, I mean, uh, in the Navy, we use a program called INSIPS for everything. Uh, I use it for most of my career. It actually came on several years after I had entered. So we went from doing everything on paper to being able to scan things into PDFs and and sending them up that way through INSIPS. And that included every time I needed to take leave, I would put in my leave request through INSIPS. When I was a uh, when I was an approver of leave requests, I would approve them in INSIPS. We had a version for shore facilities. We had a version for uh, ships called Incips Afloat. They, and even um, when I got divorced, I updated my marital status in Incips. When I got married again, I updated my marital status, uploaded copies of my wedding uh, certificate and all that good stuff in there. And I wrote my DD-214 in there. Now, that doesn't mean I just, you know, you hear about the stolen valor people who take liberties with altering their DD-214s, things like that. No, you you have to have your record. That goes back to what I said earlier. Your whole career, you need to maintain your service record. And you need to take that with you everywhere. And uh, you need to be able to back up every award that you claim, every deployment you've been on. That That all matters. So uh, I did that. I sent it uh, up through INSIPS. They sent it back uh, uh, more 
smoothed, I guess. That's an admin term we use when you smooth it. You know, you get the gram grammatical errors out and, and the other styling things. I look at it. I go, yeah, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. I, I need this uh, changed. And I went back and forth a bunch of times and finally got my DD214, uh, had that in hand, thankfully, in October of 2021, so about three months before I actually retired. Now, this is important. I was in the Pentagon. I was inside the National Capital Region. The personnel support detachment there is going to be generally the highest level quality customer service that you're going to get. Because think about it, the people retiring from that region are senior people, right? Not just mid-grade folks like like me. I retired um, as a mid-grade uh, kind of officer. I retired as a commander in 05. But then I got down to Florida and I started working as a Navy contractor. And uh, some of the uh, folks... Uh, some lieutenant commanders and commanders who were retiring, they get to their retirement date and they don't even have their DD-214. Well, that's not good because that means a lot for, that has serious implications because without that DD-214, you can't get your disability finalized. You can't start getting your benefits. It, it, it that, that can create a whole mess. Now, like I said, uh, not all, personnel support detachments are created equal and uh, perhaps the ones in the fleet concentration areas were were either overwhelmed or something there but that was actually happening that but that again that was about a year and a half to two years ago I sincerely hope and pray that that's changed because you should not be retired and no longer getting a paycheck without your dd214 because that's affecting everything. I think that even affects your pension. So, uh, I mean, that's all going to get back paid. Don't get me wrong, but if I if I if I didn't have a job lined up already and I'm retired, I'm no longer drawing an income. How am I supposed to pay the bills? How am I supposed to pay my mortgage? How am I going to eat? Uh, how am I going to get medical care if I'm not if the VA is not going to take me because I don't have that piece of paper? Hopefully, they fix that. Um, but let me know if, if they have or haven't or what your experiences may have been. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about at least one thing that I omitted uh, off my list of retirement uh, planning considerations, and that is the ceremony itself. A retirement ceremony is entirely optional, and it's a personal decision for you uh, to do it or not to do it or to Make it as elaborate as you want or as plain as you want. There's a whole basically a la carte menu of options for different components you can put in there. And I would like to hear everybody's comments and, and read comments from people about, about what they did or didn't do or if they even uh, decided not to do it all, at all. And, uh, and as to why again it's a personal decision you don't have to but if you do it's to thank your friends and your family you didn't make it uh this far in life without people helping you along the way and at some point it's very appropriate to thank them especially when it's something as significant as uh taking off the uniform after 20 plus years 
and switching it for a uh, different set of attire. And then long, long term, I do want to evolve this podcast from being a solo, which I'm doing right now, to one where I interview people. So I do have a calendar created and I will eventually share that link and you can sign up and it it'll probably be maybe two or three hours total of your time between us uh, touching base and actually recording. But uh, again, I, I do want to start uh, broadening to uh, other people's experiences. And I also don't want to just keep this as a Navy podcast. This is a military podcast. So all branches, um, you know, uh, I, I want to talk with people from the Coast Guard, the Army, the Air Force, the Marine Corps. Uh, I want to see what the Space Force, although I don't think there's anybody actually retiring from the Space Force except for the people who were getting there already while they were in the Air Force. Uh, They'll be the ones retiring from the Space Force, but maybe in 18 years we'll have people who actually did full careers in the space force. If I'm still kicking and doing this, then I'd like to hear their stories as well. Thanks for tuning into this episode. Be sure to follow the show on my website, the DD 214 podcast.com or in your favorite podcast app. So, you know, every time there's a new episode and be sure to share this episode with your fellow service members and veterans. Again, my name is Eric and this is the DD 214 podcast until next time. Huzzah.